Welcome to the Secret Sauce of Selling Podcast, the ultimate guide and sales gym to unlocking the secrets of successful selling. I'm your host, James Abraham, and I'm excited to be here with you today to share insights, tactics, and strategies to help you take your sales performance and sales leadership game to the next level. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week, we have a friend, colleague, client, uh, mentor, Mark Rose. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, James. Thank you. I'm actually really proud to be here. I know I feel quite honored. Uh, looking forward to it. Jam session. Absolutely. Well, let, let's let's get that jam session going. Mark, why don't you take a moment and tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, great. So uh, basically, you know, Mark Rose, uh, 22, 23 years in enterprise, change maker, business transformation, you know, taking companies, you know, through growth stages at different points of time in their kind of growth strategy. I uh, was very, very fortunate to work with, you know, some some very large global companies as I kind of, you know, in my 20s and 30s, uh, lucky enough to kind of lead uh, some huge some, some huge changes for some famous global brands. And essentially, the last four years I've spent in SaaS tech, uh, helping technology startups, uh, you know, go from an idea on a post-it note all the way up to kind of, you know, exiting. Uh, I work with a portfolio of different clients where I take my my enterprise knowledge and try to kind of cement it into their DNA, into their business plans and, you know, help them with, with, with their strategy and growth plans. That's awesome. Well, today's topic is growth. So tell us a little bit about what that means in your world and um, and let's unpack it. Well, you know, if you want to unpack growth today, you can look at it in many areas. Revenue growth, that's the easy one. You know, we start, you know, we're selling at $5 or, or revenue per year and we want to, you know, reach a billion dollars. You know, that's growth in its simplest format. But growth is really about companies. It's about people. It's about product. It's how you go to market. You're growing every every part of your business, it, you, you know, has to grow. You've got to grow your employees. You've got to grow your product vision. You've got to grow your go-to-market. You've got to grow your marketing strategy. So when people talk to me about growth and start talking numbers, uh, I kind of get a little bit nervous that these guys have taken their eye off the ball. You're only ever going to achieve revenue growth when you grow your business, and that's every single level of your business, from your employee base all the way up to your product, and actually growing your vision because the market's changing constantly. And you've got to kind of be understanding that when you go into something at the beginning, how you enter may not be how you exit. And you've got to kind of kind of grow your leadership as well in order to actually see the changes and affect them within your own organization. Yeah, there's a saying, what doesn't grow dies. So, um, and, and I agree. I mean, I think a lot of organizations, entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs, um, even sales leaders, even sales people, um, know they need to grow, but are terrified of losing control in growth and don't really understand at what, what they can control, what they can't control when it comes to this stuff. So when you look at startups and, and, and growing businesses these days, what are the three top challenges you see they struggle with when it comes to, uh, to one, recognizing what it comes, when, when it comes to growth, recognizing what they need to focus on, and two, managing them so that they don't lose control? So, so yeah, good question. If I walk it back a little bit, the first thing when I meet a startup and they've got this, you know, super duper technology that, 
you know, within four months, they tell me it's going to be a unicorn and, you know, the whole world wants it. I always say, well, do you know your market? And does your market need it? Because I think that's always the first question. Am I bringing out something to the market that actually the market's going to react to and respond to? And I think the really, really successful companies, you know, uh, find a solution to a problem that exists and then they exploit it. They kind of, you know, scratch that kind of, you know, pain and say, you know, we've got the vitamin pill that will solve, you know, this particular problem. Uh, and, 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 and once you've actually got that, you then need to define how you're going to win. Because make no mistake, going into business is about winning. You know, and winning is about knowing your market, understanding the problem, understanding how you can reach your, your demographic, the personas that you're selling to, and doing a lot of homework. Because the market's not going to sit there and say, oh, you know, this is great, we just want to buy it, and we're going to pay you whatever you want. You know, you've really got to actually understand how you sell, how you're selling, who you're selling it to, and what's your secret sauce. And, and, and you know, salespeople, you you know, are, are key in that. But before you even get to the salesperson, you need that sales strategy. How are we going to sell this into the marketplace? And that's where, you know, I don't have to tell you, James, you know, you go into businesses and you you, you help people do that. Yeah, um, and you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned homework. I love it. They don't do their homework. They do their hope work, but they yeah. don't do their homework, right? So you got, and, and I see, we see that so much these days. Um, you know, hopium is cheap. Homework um, requires uh, an investment of time and effort and comfort zone. And so looking at, um, do you see, do you believe that when it comes to growth, who do you think leads growth? Is it, and I, and I get it, you know, CEOs clearly need to be growth focused, but who else in the organization do you find these days should actually be, be pushing towards making sure that everyone's doing what they need to do even if it does mean getting their hands dirty or, or operating outside of their comfort zone? So, so we live in a complex world, you, you know, go-to-market strategies to go global, you know, need, you know, the very, very key word here, which I use a lot, and, and it's not to sound cliche, but enablers. Within your organisation, sales and marketing are enabling each other. Marketing and providing the message, the amplification of, you know, the product or the service that you're actually trying to actually sell. But the feedback from the salesperson into marketing as to what they're kind of learning as they're kind of approaching the sale is also vital. So, you know, sales and marketing definitely need to be enabling each other. You know, your, your head of sales or your chief business officer, your head of product, these people are all key in the messaging and, 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 and the approach to how you're going to go to market. And I often think that organizations, as they grow, get siloed. Everyone gets very precious about their position and their place amongst the actual C-suite. But actually, individually, everyone around the C-suite table is a little bit worthless without their colleague. So I always find that the most successful companies that I've worked for, and I'm really proud to say, you know, I've worked for some, you know, fantastic logos that have gone the distance they they understand one thing and and again you know it, it's teamwork you know the c-suite have to enable each other that means you've got to listen to each other you've got to take that feedback and bleed it through your organization you you know customer success is another you know in the last seven or eight years we've seen the growth of customer set uh customer success people in especially in the SaaS area 
And that's another channel that are speaking to your clients every day. So they're like your silent detonators within an organization that they kind of go in, they're speaking to the client, and at any point they can detonate something that gets people to buy more into your product and solution. So, you know, is there any one one sales lead? Well, you, you know, maybe your director of sales or your director of business development, your chief revenue officer, but in isolation, they can do very, very little. But as a unit, if it's well oiled, they all have a part to play. Yeah, um, that's so relevant. Uh, I think these days, a lot of times when I go into organizations, they bring me in. A lot of times, there's a lot of uh, chaos, uh, miscommunication, and and it really starts on that on that on that scene between you know marketing and sales. So when marketing handed off to sales, how well do they hand that off? How does sales actually come back with um, with with uh, with remarks with regards to what could have what could have been done differently or what they might want to incorporate. For example, I typically ask, you know, do you have a rock solid, hard, powerful marketing message? Which for marketing could be a marketing message. For sales, it would be a 30-second commercial or anything that would get a prospect to actually engage. And I think there's misalignment on that theme. And is a misalignment um, from sales to customer success? And I agree 100%. I think customer success is probably the best salespeople because they're a salesperson with a mask on. No one, no one suspects them. And so, as you know, how comfortable is everybody? And I think there's sometimes an ego issue between those business units. And I think uh, uh, at the end of the day, everyone needs to do their job, but they should be aligned with growth. But does anyone set the rules with what that looks like as a team? So I think my question to you is, from your experience, how do you get um, business unit owners, market marketing manager, sales manager, customer success manager or leader, how do you get them aligned for the common purpose, the common cause of growth? It's a great question. And I think if there was a simple answer to that, there'd be more companies making money than losing money. I think, you know, what I would say when I've always gone into an organization as somewhat of a change maker, as a growth strategist, I always say you've got to walk in each other's shoes. You've really got to understand the pain that everyone is going to go, go through so you can embark on their journey with them. And, and, and you know, selling, selling is painful. Selling is a painful process until you get it right. And once you've got it right, as you'll know, James, it becomes almost transactional. And I always say, say to, you know, my clients, if I go into, you know, if I go to a salesperson or a marketing manager or, you know, a head of strategy or a product uh, uh, manager, and I throw a bucket of water on you at 4 a.m., my view is you better stand up and you can, you can sell your product, you know, straight away in a way that's both compelling, but actually is understanding of the strategy and your approach and the dynamic that your salespeople are actually using within an organization. What I'm really saying is, it's got to be so well scripted and so well understood that actually the marketing message is not only about the external, but you understand it internally. Because what we're very, very good at is coming up with all these marketing messages and belief systems and manifestos and you know campaigns. And we don't actually learn them ourselves internally. We kind of think, well, that's for the external audience. And that's where the belief system has. Has to, has to actually kick in. And that's also the power of branding. Great brands 
sell internally what they're doing externally. So people believe in it. Your employees are fans of what you sell and your users are even bigger fans to the point. And, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, you know, and, and you know, if we're going to kind of, you know, speech mark any part of this next 45 minutes, if you are great in sales and you've built a great brand, your customers will buy without logic because you've actually managed to unearth the secret sauce, which is I know what you're about. I know what you can do for my company and I need to buy it. And I'm not questioning the price anymore. It's a need. I want it. You mean they want it? You have to buy it. Yeah. People, no one will buy anything until they realize they want it. it, and, it, uh, it and then, sorry, go on, James. Go on. And, and, and our job is to not only help them realize that they want it, but help them realize that they want it from us. Correct. And, you know, and our role is helping them define that strategy, that message. You know, what are they going to take to the market that's going to create that compelling requirement for the person to say, I need that product or I want that service because it enhances my business or it solves a problem or it's going to help me grow quicker. You, you know, that's what we do. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a passion play as well. You, you, know, and, you know, I think yourself and myself, we bring a level of passion to any organization because we have a belief system in what we do. And if anyone is in sales who is sitting back, you know, quite frankly, they're not they're, they're, they're not bought into their product. Yeah, 100%. And you said the word passion. Do you know what passion means in Latin? Go on. To die for. There you are. Yeah. Um, and, and we say this, you know, at Sandler, we believe that um, the, the piece, the, the courage, that's what it's all about. And, and, and everyone wants to win, win the deals. They want to win the deals. They want to win the growth. But in order to win, you got to be able, you got to be willing to lose. And I think what differentiates good companies from great companies is that great companies are willing to take risk and they understand that they are, that they sometimes need to risk losing in order to win. And you mentioned that at the beginning, the winning piece. And everyone wants to win the business, but no one wants to behave like a winner. And so I want to take this back to the silo you mentioned earlier. How does that fit in today, especially these days when, the, you know, the economy is taking a dump. Um, everyone's kind of uh, sketchy. Um, everyone's afraid of, uh, you know, everyone's afraid, you know, they want to keep their job and, and so on. And things are moving a little slower. When you look at silos in this environment, what are the what are the risks that organizations are, are exposing them to, to exposing themselves to when behaving with a silo silo mentality? So so first of all, when you have you know an economy that's trending downwards, I think I have a different take in general on that, and that's when you can win. Because it's when everyone it's when the unbrave kind of you know start shrinking. You know, let's cut costs here and let's do this and let's not take that risk and let's not do that now and, 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 and let's try and survive and so forth. The biggest company winners always come out of economic downturns because you can do things that move the needle. An economic downturn equals are you up for the challenge? Are you up to doing something differently or do you want to play same, same? So the first thing that I would say is, you know, to anyone, you know, if we get more than, you know, a few people listening and they happen to be in positions where they're running companies, economic downturn equals your 
time to shine. 100%. That, you know, that's the first part. The second part, going back to your point on, on silos. Again, I think when you're going through, you know, a time where the market is difficult, you have to band together more. But you have to have something to lean on. You've got to have a strategy to lean on that everyone believes in. You've got to bring people together around a way of working that people actually understand if we all do this this way, we're going to come out the other side. So I think, you know, silos are never good in any business. You always need open communication, transparency, all of the buzzwords that we taught, you know, as we kind of, you know, grow up and go through industry at different levels of uh, management. Silos are, are never, never conducive to successful companies. And if you've got individual leaders who are somewhat maverick, but they work in silos, they're not the people that you want in the boat. There's a reality of uh, a boat never went straight when you've got someone steering in a different way. And there is a reality that that's more so when you're driving through difficult market, uh, uh, market conditions. But again, you know, market forces dictate for every down, there's an up. And the people who plan for the up will be the ones who actually meet that target. So, you know, I go back to, to what I was saying two and a half minutes ago. I love it when there's a market downturn because it's the ultimate test. And, you know, if you're a startup or you're a small company actually raising money in that period of time, it's even more difficult. When you survive that and you've sown the seeds of, you know, you know something really positive, the value of your learnings and the value of your going is actually double. So for me, you, you know, you're it's very unlikely you're ever going to be in a non-competitive landscape. It's very unlikely you're ever going to be not in a red ocean. You know, sometimes when you go through tough periods, you ask yourself tough questions and the winners survive. 100%. And, you know, from a training and development and coaching perspective, the companies that are now investing in themselves that understand that they have to take a step back, it's, those are the ones that, that you know, they, they cross the finish line and they, they'll, they'll triumph. But, it's funny, someone asked, like, I called on a prospect uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and, I, and he said, oh, um, James, that's fine. We've, we've cut on spending. Now, we know you're in this performance business, but we're not spending right now. And um, do you know I turned around and said to that guy? No. Yes, you are. And he says, how? I said, well, do you have salespeople? Yeah. Do you have managers? Yeah. Are they making tons of mistakes? Yeah. Are they selling as well as, are they outperforming quota? No. Oh, so you're telling me that you're not spending. You see, spending can be two ways. You can either spend in control or spend out of control. Spending out of control means things are happening that are eating up on your profit, uh, which is a different discussion because they're all, you know, they're all telling me we're generating revenue, but there's no profit. Well, of course, there's no profit because you're, you're burning it. You don't realize. And so... I think it's a mindset thing from a leadership perspective. Yeah. And I think everyone's just, yeah. I was going to say, spend's an odd word because, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I like, you know, myself, the use of the word spend. You're investing, you know, uh, but what is spend? It, it, it's investment. You're investing in, in, in your company somewhere, in your raw material, in your people, in your uh, go-to-market, in your marketing. So, so people can choose when and where to invest. Uh, if you are, you know, the question you've always got to ask yourself 
is am I investing and what am I investing for and what's going to be my return? And if you decide that all of a sudden you don't want to invest, then you're making a conscious decision to say, I don't want to grow. And that's okay. Because sometimes, you know, you want to get through a period of time and maybe growth isn't the biggest priority. Maybe it's about stabilization, consolidation, you know, and 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 and, and that's all fine. It just means that, you know, the bus stop of becoming the next unicorn, you, you know, you'll probably miss that bus. And that's okay. You, you know, again, companies go through different challenges at different times. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say you've always got to invest everything to go and get somewhere. Companies face di difficult challenges at different times. But I, I genuinely believe, you know, Pareto's law uh, or any other mathematical law that you want to throw at me, that the companies that invest in the right areas doing the right things will ultimately be the ones who win. 100%, I agree. Uh, the companies that hire the right people for the right reasons and invest in them, give them the tools to be successful or the ones that are successful. That's about my number one you mentioned the word hiring, another friend of mine, you know, and I'm not sure I can name names, but being, you, you know, once uh, uh, said to me, and I've used it a thousand times, you know, hiring is not knowing, firing is knowing, you know. So, so hiring great talent, you know, is always a little bit of a risk. But if you can get that right and you hire great talent, you know, talent acquisition is a game changer. You, you know, again, that's investment, you know. Uh, Sometimes I work with companies and, and you see this, you know, for, you know, you know, they have the people in the same position for a long period of time because they're doing a good job. And I always say, well, they may be doing a good job, but always be recruiting, always be interviewing other people out there who do a better job. Just because someone's doing, you know, you know, they're a safe pair of hands. Maybe that's the time to invest in someone that can move the needle a little bit more. So, again, that's investment in people and investment in time. Yeah, hiring. That's growth. Uh, That's growth. Hiring talent acquisition is growth. Absolutely, I agree. At the end of the day, it's all about the people. Um, and yeah, companies don't get it right when it comes to hiring. They hire emotionally. They they uh, they make you know they hire the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And how many times? And if anyone's listening to this, if you've hired a salesperson, thought you hired James Bond, you ended up with Mr. B. Uh, it took him three months to onboard, three months to define the toilet, three months to find the kitchen, another six months to tell you why you're not running the business right. And by that, by that year by, suddenly now everyone's you know embarrassed to make to, to fire that person because that would then uh, basically reflect on them making a mistake. So the hiring piece is crucial. Hire hire rationally, not emotionally, for the right reasons. Um, yeah, I, all right. Tell me. Go no, no, go on, go on. No, I was just uh, going to say, you know. Your point about not, you know, the hiring, you know, the opportunity cost. When you've got people incumbent in a seat that are not moving the needle and, and you look at it and think, well, well, you know, I'm willing to give that person time, but are they going to move uh, the needle? Sometimes you just need to make quick decisions. The opportunity cost of not making a decision, again, stops growing. Well, a decision not to make a decision is also a decision. Maybe one of the problems is leadership just don't know how to make decisions or they're terrified of making a decision. Um, and indecision is also a decision sometimes, and, and that's that's a we'll do that for a leadership session, uh, a podcast we record one day. But you probably face that, James, the whole time. I'm sure that you're confronted, and you've probably got 
numerous stories where 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 you're training companies, you're training organisation, you're training salespeople, you know, and you think, come on, make a decision. What's the decision? And you you know, a week or two weeks later, like, what have you well, made? With, with us, with us, it's quite straightforward. Uh, you see, we believe in make. We have a process when it comes to hiring. Um, and if you look at any company, um, you'll have like a bell graph. You'll have twenty percent are A players, they're the rock stars. Sixty percent are B players, and then twenty percent are C players. The C players, in most for the most part, cannot be fixed, um, and they can improve. And um, I have zero interest in them simply because, uh, in most for the most part, they'll try and pull B players over to their group. And so, uh, understanding how to recognize those and mark them early. I mean, there's a way to do that. We have assessments and so on to do that. Uh, but when it comes to training and development, um, I'm not the type who would want to train the wrong people. And so we believe tremendously in, in allocating uh, the resources to assess uh, people the correct way and figure out who is trainable, coachable, who is who does have what it takes to be successful and, and who has more areas of development that need to be addressed by management and leadership. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's business, isn't it? Well, well, well I think, you know, to go back to our subject matter, growth is very simple in that that you have a target that you need to achieve. And for anyone with a pen and a notepad now, this is how simple it's going to get. You have your target, reverse engineer it. Reverse engineer it into a strategy and then walk the walk that, that you kind of build your plan against. And, you know, if something goes wrong, make a decision, you can iterate it. It's Don't be afraid to, to change course. You know, if something's not working, don't, you, you know, make a decision, pivot, you know, change things a, a, a little bit. But I always say the companies who have a very, very clear plan, a clear target, reverse engineer it and walk towards that target and they monitor it and they measure it and they performance manage it and everyone in your company is brought into where they sit in that plan, things instantly get easier. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easier, easy to achieve, but it's easier to try to get there. The journey just becomes less hectic, less chaotic as people know what they're, what they're doing. And to be fair, James, you gave me a great insight yesterday when, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you tell the story because I'm not even going to attempt to retell, you know, what I thought was, was a wonderful story. It was about the pilot, you know, the pilot who's, you know, not concerned if he can't land because he's got his plan and, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a great, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk through about management control systems and, you know, not being fearful. Yeah. Um, so are you referring to uh, the professionals that can do everything but actually close a deal, for example? Oh, we're great at opening doors. We're great at uh, building relationships, showing value. It's just the closing the deal is that they struggle with right. or managers that are great at um, having meetings and, uh, uh, you know, keeping the team together and making sure people are, are, are motivated, but they're just not reaching. They're not reaching quota. Um, it's very similar to yeah the the pilot that's great at taking off, flying across the Atlantic, but just can't seem to land, or a, a, a surgeon who's great at opening someone up, doing the procedure, but just can't seem to tie, sew them back up again. Um, and yeah, the, that skill sets of actually following through. And I think in business in general, business people have just not been trained and taught um, how to follow through and complete things because people are great at starting stuff. People are very bad at completing them. It's like, you know, I'm sure we all have that book that we read one or two chapters and we put aside and never get to finish. I mean, it's not familiar. Right. Anyone else? Very similar. Yeah. You know, we live in a world where 
coaching opportunities and learning opportunities are out there. And I'm all about always be learning. You know, there's always someone you can learn from. And I know, you know, there are great consultants out there who can come into an organization and really transform you because they have a skill set that you don't have in your business. And sales is an area where uh, I think it's changing, where companies are kind of actually understanding that sales is a science. You know, to, you know the, there is a secret, uh, a secret methodology. There is a secret source. There is something, you know, that differentiates great salespeople from not great salespeople. And, you, you know, again, coaching helps that. It's like anything in life. When you're taught how to do something properly, when you're given the toolings, when you're given the information as to how to kind of deploy the right behaviors and the right techniques at the right moments, you will automatically become a better salesperson. I, you know, again, this is true for, it's true for leadership too. And this is performance. You know, people say, okay, what, James, what do you do? I'm a performance coach. I help organizations and individuals break through those glass ceilings by improving their performance. Now that can mean different things, but at the end of the day, if you think about it, in any profession, anyone that wants to be a top performer needs to invest in themselves. They need to work on themselves. It's like the gym. And uh, I think there, there is a good group of people that understand that, but there are a lot of people that just live on, on hopium and, and just hope for the best. And, you know, that's the C players. Well, well, I think sales people historically have played into that because the greatest, the greatest balloon of hopium comes in something called pipeline. With pipeline people sell, you know, they tell their boss, we've got, we've got pipeline, you know, how big is the pipeline? It's millions, you know, huge pipeline. And then the sales manager is sitting there thinking, oh, well, you know, we've got a pipe, let's see if it comes through. And there's always a reason, you know, oh, well, they've pushed it back a month or we, we, we couldn't quite get it over the line. You know, hopium for me is quantified in, in, in sales talk by pipeline. You know, that's the bitter pill that sales managers all around the world swallow and probably the biggest reason why they keep their salespeople on for maybe a longer period of time than what they actually should. You know, uh, give me hope, I'll give you pipe. You know, and yeah. what I think is you can take that pipe and you can smoke it somewhere because the likelihood is only 5 to 10% of it is ever going to come through. Um, yeah, we have a saying... Um... Your prospecting is your is your sword, and your pipelines your shield. And you got to make sure one of them is super sharp, and the other one is rock solid hard. So, you know, yeah, that, so, that's you, know, you, you know, James, you know, you know, uh, uh, anyone listening should, you, you know, you know, put that on their on the wall of their, you know, sales room and and so forth, because that is absolutely right. You know, you, you know, that's a very very good quote i may even steal that myself uh please do my pleasure uh, i must have stole that from someone else so you're you know <laughs> so but here's and here's an interesting insight if you think a little bit about it i think these days and that's really sharpening the saw piece um and when we're talking of growth what helped companies get to where they are today ain't going to help them get to where they want to be and when focusing on growth um and that trajectory and, and really focusing on, on where they want to go another thing is um sometimes the goals are not set well so just towards the end of this uh, this uh, interview, I'd really like to get your insight when it comes to goal setting, when it comes to growth. I mean, you know, there are some companies that set non-realistic goals, some set, um, uh, uh, you know, and it could be unrealistic from both ends. It could be too high, too low. What, what are your thoughts when it comes to, to goals and, and really focusing on where we want to be? So I think, you know, goals are any business 
any any organization you know goals are key in first of all aligning the organization forget the actual number what are we trying to achieve and why is it that number because i think you have to believe that it's possible but it needs to be a stretch because when you reach a goal you know if, you know if you lower your goal and everyone reaches it you're just providing false hope to an organization and when the waters start to get rocky you've got nothing to lean on so a stretch goal, as I call it, is, is always important because you actually build a system to try and reach something that is almost unreachable. And when you do reach it, the organization actually understands that you've put a system in place that works. Wow, we achieved something we didn't think that we were going to do. Wow, we can actually push it next year even more. So I think goals are important, you know, at the very, very top of an organization. And I think obviously that bleeds through into different departments and every department has to work towards something that is aligned to the actual main goal. Goals need to be motivational. They need to incentivize. You need to be performance managed according to them. So there's a positive and a negative. You know, you've reached your goal. That's fantastic. Here's a chocolate bar for you. Uh, you haven't reached your goal. You're on the naughty step. And here's the performance plan to kind of, you know, help you because a performance plan is never a negative thing ever. It's always about helping you achieve more. And also maybe actually highlighting that this could be the wrong role for you as well. You, you're not someone who can reach the goals yeah. that we need you to reach in this organisation. So goals are about a benchmark. They're about a target. They're about making people believe that there is a system in place that means that they can achieve that particular KPI, that uh, that particular metric. And I'm a big believer, as anyone who knows me in the whole balanced scorecard approach, it's a little bit 1980s consulting, but I'm a great believer in that's how organisations run. Organisations are about goals, that bleed through, you know, to different departments, but create an alignment where everyone can kind of see that North Star. And, 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 you know, that's what sits at the apex of the actual pyramid. And for me, you know, I'm proud to say that I've worked with organisations who have far, who, who have achieved far more than what they set out to do. But the achievement wasn't actually in the achievement. The achievement was actually in building a structure that enabled them to go again. They built a system and a process and a way of working and a methodology that meant the goal was just the means to an end. But once you've got the system in place, there's no end to some of those goals because now you're, you're just functioning like a well-oiled machine. I like it. So, Mark, what is your secret sauce for selling? People. All about the people. For me, you know, if I go back to the the, the start of this uh, session, I said growth was a lot more than just revenue. Growth is really about people. It's about taking people on a journey. As an organization, I'm talking, you know, as a startup, as a small firm, as an SMB, as an enterprise, you know, you, your greatest asset truly is your people. And I know it's cliche and leaders like to use that, those kind of statements, but you're only, you are only as good as your weakest person in your team. And, 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 and that's why you can either, you know, move as a team together or replace. But for me, the secret source of selling for me is everything is always achievable if you've got the right people and they're on the, on the journey with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, I just had a thought. I rem we mentioned earlier the belief part and just to tie this all in. And so a thought happens in... Um, two hundredth of a second or something of that nature, okay? And um, 
a sale is made in, in two hundredth of a second. A belief is also created in two hundredth hundredth of a second. And sometimes we can bring ourselves into a growth mindset, a real growth, and there's a difference between a fake growth mindset and a real growth mindset, in, in two hundredth of a second and be engaged. And we can also pull ourselves out. And so I think my takeaway from today's uh, session here was sometimes we have to make, you know, we have to make sure that we're in the right growth mindset and we have to find the compelling events that we can prove to ourselves that it's the right thing for us under the circumstances. Because as you mentioned, you know, you don't, can't always be in growth if, 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 if that's not what, what's meant to be. So Mark, just to wrap things up, what does belief mean to you when it comes to growth? that you've got the ability, the tooling, the knowledge, the experience to achieve, to achieve that, the, you know, belief, you know, you, 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 know, you know, the greatest believers, the, the, the greatest change makers in the world believe that they were going to do something different. And, and again, we come back to the economic, you know, times now. And if you're going to kind of leave that kind of note, it, it'd be, you, you know, don't be same, same. Believe, believe that you or your company have the ability to do something different in a different way, with a different approach, a different go-to-market, with a different way of working with your people. But this is the time to actually find your way. Yeah, Sander Rule, David Sander said, if your competition is doing it, stop doing it, do something else. That's it. There you go. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Mark, is there anything awesome you're listening to or watching? I mean, we've had people who share plays and, and movies. Is there anything interesting that you would like to recommend to the uh, listeners and viewers? So, you know, not 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 to kind of blow smoke up your rear end, but I listen to a lot of your podcasts, you know, and your Sandra stuff. And and and, and I'm, I guess I'm fortunate that I get to steal coffee time like with you and I take my notepad, as you know, and start writing down notes. Uh, I think, you know, how you learn, and I would say always be learning, is very up to the individual. You know, we're flooded with books and apps and, you know, series that's going to, you know, make you a genius in under two seconds. I think, you, you know, the point that, that you touched about is, you know, to, to have a growth mindset, I, I think you also need to learn how to put it into action. And that's where I think sales coaches and coaches like yourself can sometimes unlock, just unlock things within people that sometimes they don't know how to exploit themselves. So I think that, you know, I'm fortunate that I work with, a, you know, supremely talented people every single day, every single day. I sometimes think that my job is to unlock some of that special source. Uh, but there's professionals out there, you know, like yourself, James, who go into organizations and, you, you know, you tap on, you tap on the parts that people sometimes don't don't even realize that they have, and you grow them. You, you know, going back to people, growth is about people. How can we grow our people to do greater things, and how can we as a company benefit from that? That's the secret. It. Absolutely, I love it, Mark. Thank you so much. It's been a ton of fun. We're going to have you back. Um, and uh, to our listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember, no guts, no gain good selling. Don't be afraid. Be courageous and don't crack under pressure. Until next time, have fun.